All right. So uh, last week I shared a little story about some uh, Christmas decorations, right? We went to see one that was beautiful. Jesus is the reason all over it. Went to see another one. That, as Jonathan said, it looked like uh, they threw up Christmas on it. Just random lights and inflatable stuff everywhere. And in the back was this little nativity scene. And last week's little picture of Christmas decorations was, hey, we got to keep Jesus front and center if we want to experience wonder. This week's Christmas decoration illustration comes uh, because I've ran by this house, uh, I think, four of the last five days. And I run in the morning uh, before the sun comes up. And what's really weird about running then is that you see... Um, these deflated um, inflatables lying on the lawn. Bethy and I were walking to school the other day, and we saw one, and it looked like a crime scene. <laughs> Remember that, Bethy? It was like something bad has happened to all these inflatables. And on my run route, there's this one inflatable that is of a nativity scene, and it's just sitting there flat. And every time I run by it, my prayer is, Lord, don't let us experience a flat nativity, (laughs) right? God, would you inflate our expectation and our excitement about this season? Would you fill us? Would you inflate us with wonder and awe about this incredible story? Because the Christmas season, when we understand what happens, should leave us in awe and in wonder and in worship about what God has done and how he's emptied heaven and poured all that love on earth. So today I want to continue our Christmas series and we're talking about wonder. We need to put Jesus front and center if we want to experience wonder. But I pray that as we look at God's words, God would inflate us so that we can be full of wonder this Christmas season. If you have your Bible, turn to Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 to 12. Uh, You will have heard these words many times, probably every year, uh, at least once in your life. Last year, we talked about Simeon. And you remember Simeon's track to finding wonder? It was because he held on to this promise of God, right? God says, Simeon, you're not going to die before you see Jesus. Tough promise. He held on to it, but it comes true. Promises are one way that we can be full of wonder when we hold on to them. But I want to talk today about the story of the Magi, or as we call them, the wise men who had another track to find and be filled and understand wonder. The Magi experienced wonder through wisdom. Simeon's track was that he held onto a promise. And when that promise came true, it filled him with wonder. The Magi's track was that they sought to be as wise and as discerning as they could about the things of God. And that wisdom put them on a track to receive wonder. 
I'll tell you the kind of punchline of the story where I want to go now, and then if you need to doze off, do what you need to do. <laughs> but this is the conclusion where I want us to land today after this, this story. Wondering leads to wisdom, and wisdom leads to wonder. Wondering, and there's no doubt that these men who were following the star were wondering, as well as wondering. <laughs> led them to wisdom, and wisdom led them to experience wonder. So Matthew chapter 2. Jesus was born in Bethlehem. Bethlehem is about six miles south of Jerusalem. It's a really very interesting place, and you can still uh, Google it today and see some of the images, but it's kind of like a, a little town uh, at the bottom of kind of like this big amphitheater cliff. And so when people say, hey, Jesus wasn't born in a stable, he was probably born in a cave, that makes a lot of sense because in this kind of amphitheater um, hill around it, there were lots of caves. And it made sense that if there was no room in the hill, in, which was in the valley, um, they would go and take shelter in the caves, which was often where they um, took care of the animals as well. Bethlehem means house of bread. And so it's prophetic and beautiful that the one who later said he was the bread of life would come from there. It's also known as the city of David because it's where King David was born. This man after God's own heart. Bethlehem had been a significant place in the movement of God on earth. Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea. During the reign of King Herod. Now, King Herod, rightly so today, gets a bad rap because his story did not end well. But up until the coming of Jesus, Herod wasn't too bad of a king. He, he had a, a big heart for those who were impoverished. He managed the economy well. In fact, there was an uh, economic collapse in Jerusalem. And so he canceled all taxes for a while to let people get back on their feet. He was trusted. He bought order. He was a pretty well-respected king. Except he had one crack in his character. And that's that he was incredibly insecure. He had a lot going for him, but he had a little crack of insecurity. And with the coming of Jesus, a new king, someone who had more authority, that served to open that insecurity within him and caused him to do some devastating things. Wisdom is the track to finding wonder and I just want to remind you from the negative experience of Herod that we need to watch the cracks in our character. A few months ago, I think I may have told this story before if you 
remember it, forgive me. I was down at Campus Crusade for Christ at Crew. It was a boiling hot day. The, the, the heat was in the, the, the hundreds, and I went inside from a meeting, and I just cracked my window a little bit, just a, a half inch to keep things kind of moving there. Went to my meeting, came back out, got in the car, started to drive home, and I heard this buzzing noise. And I'm like, oh my goodness, is my engine you know, going wrong? Or I don't know much about cars. So I, I kind of did what I I always do when I hear a buzzing noise in the car, I turn the radio up (laughs) a little bit. (laughs) But this buzzing kept kind of coming in and out and going close and going around me. And it turned out that I got a bee stuck in the car. And I'm like, you're kidding me. My car has been 100 degrees in this parking lot for two hours. How did this bee not suffocate? (laughs) And then I realized I got this little crack in the window, which not only kept the bee alive, it was probably what let the bee in. It works the same way in our lives if we have a crack in our character. We let distraction in. We let something slip. And we can be in a whole lot of trouble. Herod wasn't a bad guy, but he had a crack in his character. So Jesus was born in Bethlehem. During the reign of King Herod. About that time, some wise men from the east, probably from Persia, arrived in Jerusalem asking, Where is the newborn king of the Jews? We saw his star as it rose, and we have come to worship him. These wise men, as we have come to call them, were from Persia, and they were part of a um, persecuted tribe many years before. And so they couldn't really function in the society, so they turned to God, and they became quite mystical people. They watched the stars a lot. They, they, They read them and interpreted them. They pursued God and became very holy and devout. These were were good guys who, because of the defeat that their people had, became incredibly curious. One of the reasons we call them wise men now is because they had incredible curiosity. They would always be asking the question, why? And when they'd ask the question, why? They asked the follow-up question, why? (laughs) And when they'd ask the follow-up question, why? They dug a little deeper by saying, why? They were wondering with an A, but as they were wondering, they were wondering with an O. Does that make sense? Did I get my grammar in English right in that? Good. I get confused at this stuff. I'm sorry. And so way back in Persia, they they see this star and they start to follow it and they question it and they pick it apart and they consult their documents about it and they consult God about it because they're incredibly curious. We call them the wise men today because they were incredibly curious. You know, the same is true today. 
If we want to become wise, if we want to get on this track of, of, of wisdom revealing the wonder of God, we have to become more and more curious about life and about God and about each other. For so long and for so often in the church, we've said, hey, just believe and everything will be okay. But that blind faith isn't going to fully reveal the wonder of God. We have to continue to ask questions of our faith, of each other, of God, in order to become wise. Some people say, well, is science a threat to faith? My response, not at all. Because the more that we can know and the more we can understand and the wiser we can become, the more it's going to help us see God, not distance ourselves from God. These wise men in a few days were about to discover the wonder of meeting Jesus. But they got there because they remained forever curious. If we want to become wise, if we want to experience the full wonder of all that Jesus has got and has done and means, we've got to remain curious. You know how I know that's true? Because I've seen what happens when we stop being curious. When we stop investigating. It's almost like we start to freeze. The reality is if we stop being curious, we now know all that we will ever know. Think about that. If we stop being curious, we now know all that we will never know. And that puts us in a difficult place because there are lots of things that we don't know. There are lots of problems that we don't know how to serve. There are lots of issues that to solve lots of issues that, that, that we don't need to know how to address. The wise men teach us, first of all, that if we want to be wise, we got to keep being curious. They put it all together. They knew what the star meant. They, they knew that the baby had been born. They, they were convinced of it, but they arrived in Jerusalem to a bunch of people who have no idea what they are talking about. Verse 3, King Herod, cracking his character, remember, was deeply disturbed when he heard this. Why was he disturbed? Because he was insecure. Because this new king was messing with his ego. As was everyone in Jerusalem. You know why Jerusalem was probably nervous? It wasn't because they were afraid. It was because they were afraid what their insecure king was going to do. He called a meeting of the leading priests and teachers of religious law and asked, where is the Messiah supposed to be? So here's the story. These wise men come in, curious. They put the pieces together. They know that Jesus is coming. They say, hey, where is he? Herod's like, uh-oh, I don't know what you're talking about. Let me pull my guys together and let's have a conversation and see if what you're saying is true. These scribes, these teachers of religious law, they were probably uh, retired priests. 
They got together, they did their research, and they said, uh, in Bethlehem, that's what history says, that's what prophecy says, for this is what the prophet wrote, and you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not least among the ruling cities of Judah, for a ruler will come from you and will be a shepherd of my people Israel. That is not what Herod wanted to, to hear. So you got these guys who are trusting God and becoming wise, bringing this wise news to someone who's very insecure. He goes and does his own research and his own guy says, yeah, this is true. So Herod is kind of threatened on both sides. The truth is coming at him and then his own team are affirming that. If you're insecure, what do you do now? You start to hatch a plan. Verse 7. Then Herod called, get this, for a private meeting with the wise men. There is only one reason why you call for a private meeting, and that's so that you can try and manipulate the outcome. He, he doesn't want to address and annoy his own scribes. He, he doesn't want to cause a scene with the wise men. So in his security, he says, I'm going to call a private meeting where I can try and manipulate this situation. When you meet in secret, that's often a sign of insecurity because you're not prepared to be honest with the people. He wanted to know what advantage he could gain, what information he could know that no one else knew so he could control the situation. And because they were meeting privately in this smaller group, it allowed him to, to, to lie. He said to them, tell me about the timing of this. And you read that and you think, well, that's kind of a random question. That really doesn't have much to do with the real issue. Except that Herod, in his insecurity, is on a detective mission. Because we know later that, that he's going to gather that this Messiah was born between this time period. And if worse comes to the worst, Herod could erase those born in that time period, which is what he did. Then he told them, I want you to go to Bethlehem and search carefully for this child. And when you find him... Come back and tell me so that I can go and worship him too. What a load of baloney, right? That's why he had the meeting in private. Because if any of his guys had heard him say that, they'd have called baloney on it. Baloney, yeah. Yeah. Spell it. Yeah. You Just be glad I didn't. Say cold BS on him. I'm saying baloney. Cold baloney. Cold baloney. Don't put me on the spotlight because I can't, <laughs> can't think. <laughs> Where was I? Thanks, Lee. Baloney. <laughs> Go to Bethlehem and search carefully for the child. And when you find him, come back and tell me. So baloney, baloney, baloney. People know that this guy is not going to do that. So here's a second point. As 
Wisdom grows through curiosity. Wisdom erodes, dilapidates through worry and insecurity, right? If you want to become wise and wisdom is a track to find wonder, then we got to deal with some of the character issues within us. Because once we have a little crack in our character, we start making up baloney to protect ourselves. And when we're living in that lie, we are harming ourselves and we are harming everyone around us and we are destroying our relationship with God. There is a stark contrast. The, the wise men come, and as they come, because of their curiosity, they're getting wiser. At the same time, because of his insecurity and his inability to ask the real questions, Herod is getting more foolish. And if we are on a track where we get more and more foolish... We keep stepping further and further away from God. Does that make sense? I have a great concern for our society that has started to idolize the easy, that has started to consume everything, that doesn't research anymore, we just Google, that we are not becoming smarter we are becoming dumber. We are not becoming wiser. We're becoming more foolish. And that's so dangerous because the more foolish we become, the harder it is for us to see truth. That makes sense? The wise men were being curious and it led them to Jesus. Herod, because of his insecurity, because of this crack in his character, was becoming foolish and that was taking him away from God. He was becoming more and more godless. After this interview, interrogation would probably have been a better word, the wise men went on their way and the star that they had seen in the east guided them to Beth. Bethlehem. I was going to say Bethany. <laughs> the star that they had seen in the east guided them to Bethlehem. It went ahead of them and stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were filled with joy. That filled with joy, another word for that phrase is wonder. That thing that they'd been hoping for and longing for and looking for. That thing that they'd traveled hundreds of miles for. And again, we talk about three wise men, just as an aside. It probably wasn't three wise men. It was a whole caravan of people. They had three gifts, but there was a whole lot more than three of them there. And they'd worked out for months, maybe even years of traveling, this, this group of people, and they finally found what they were looking for, and it filled them with great joy. That's their wonder moment. It was their curiosity that led them to wonder. Herod was never going to experience that wonder and that joy because he was going back the other way. 
It says, verse 11, they entered the house. <laughs> Just picture that. They knock on the door and Mary, Jesus is probably a couple of years old at the time, opens the door and says, hi. And she sees this whole kind of crowd of people outside. <laughs> and she goes into hospitality overdrive or something. They entered the house and they saw the child with his mother, Mary, and they bowed down and they worshipped him. And as they bowed down and as they worshipped, as they saw Jesus, they were experiencing wonder. They saw this baby. They saw the answer. They saw the Messiah. They saw the one that they'd studied and researched and looked for. It says they gave him some gift. They opened their treasure chests and gave him gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. These gifts tell us that these guys had done their homework, that they had curi curiously looked for the, the right thing to give. Gold is a gift that you give to a king. That's the symbolism there. They knew that before Jesus could be their savior, he had to be their king. One of the things I remember learning from high school history, and I don't know if you would have learned this because of the different culture stuff, and I didn't learn maybe as much as I should, but Lord Nelson, when he was greeting someone, he said, give me your sword before you give me your hand. And what he was saying there is you, you got to understand my authority before I, we can shake hands in friendship. The wise men knew that before Jesus was going to be their savior and their friend, they first had to see him as their Lord. So they give him this gift of gold to say, hey, you're our king. They gave him a gift of myrrh, of frankincense. Frankincense was something that you gave to a priest. You know, still in the Catholic churches, they will uh, swing the incense. Swing's not the right word, but you understand what I'm, I'm saying because it's what priests do. Yeah, oh, yeah no, it's, it's more like this rather than you're thinking of the... Uh, he sees a cattle ranch or something. I don't know. <laughs> the, the, word, the word priest in Latin means bridge builder. And they were acknowledging that Jesus was a bridge builder, not just between men, but between man and God. Gold and frankincense and myrrh. And myrrh was, uh, don't ever take myrrh to a housewarming. It's not particularly polite, but, but myrrh was... Something that you gave to embalm a dead body. <laughs> yeah. Hey, we got just some myrrh. <laughs> Welcome to your new home. <laughs> but there was some symbolism in that gift. Because in their wisdom, in their curiosity, in their study of the scriptures, they knew that this Savior had to die. Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. 
When it was time to leave, they returned to their own country by another route. For God had warned them in a dream not to go and return to Herod. Man, I'm so glad that they responded to that dream. If they had gone back to Herod, Herod in his insecurity would have come and murdered Jesus prematurely. How do we know that? Because that's exactly what he did with potentially thousands of young boys as his insecurity and his brokenness and his flaws and his jealousy just ran rampant. Here's the point of the story. Wandering leads to wisdom. And for these wise men, wisdom leads to wonder. For some of you, the way to experience Christmas and the wonder of it is like Simeon holding on to a promise. And if that's you, if that's what it's going to take, read the promises and hold tightly to them. Some of you, though, will experience wonder through this wisdom track. And if that's you, this holiday season, I encourage you to be as curious as you can. Because whether by promise or by wisdom, what God wants more than anything this year for us is to experience again the wonder of what he's given us in Jesus.